0: Welcome to Eurodollar University with Jeff Snyder. My name is Emil Kalinowski. Jeff has been writing about the Eurodollar system and the shadow money system for a long time at Alhambra Investments on the blog post. And he often says, well, officials ad institutions, technocrats, the economics profession does not want to touch this offshore money creation system because it would look bad for them. But there was a time when there was a lot of discussion about the euro currency system and one of the first official official references was by the BIS in 1964 June 8, 1964 I remember that day well Jeff tell us what we got from the 34th annual uh, report from the bank for international settlements part one current economic trends credit developments and policies domestic international prices world trade payments fascinating gold, reserves, and foreign exchange, and then part two, section five, the euro currency market.
1: Basically, it was the BIS saying, hey, we know everybody in the banking world is talking about this thing finally, so we probably should take a look at it and see if there's anything to it. And what they found was, yeah, there is. (laughs) There's something here, but we don't really know what it is because it's hard for us to discern what's really going on between these banks. All we really know." Is that banks are engaging in this robust dollar to dollar interbank bank to bank trading, and somehow, some way, credit comes out of it. So it's kind of like a mess. And even though we we purport to do a deep dive into it, an investigation into it, I think the upshot of the BIS's thirty fourth annual report is that there was more questions by the end. Then there were answers provided from the beginning. I'm going to read from your article because it's a great summary here.
0: As I'm going to quote the BIS and then your summary in English as to what the BIS is saying. For readers or listeners or watchers that want to read the actual article, they can go to the Alhambra Investments blog post, March 29th, 2022, and look for this title, Volcker's Petrodollar Bigfoot, or Why Curves Today Are So Against the Fed, And it's rate hikes. Okay, here's the BIS quote. At the same time, certain criticisms have been made of the market euro currency, in particular that it hampers efforts to control inflation and that it leads to unsound banking practices, which could prove dangerous in the event of a large withdrawal of funds by depositors. So far as inflation is concerned, borrowing in the euro market by a country may enable the private sector to circumvent a domestic credit squeeze or may allow the authorities to delay corrective action against an external deficit. Now here's your summary of what they said, it's in English. To put it simply, the BIS version said, quote, a dollar goes in, it changes hands many times, one bank to the next, then comes out as a non-bank loan. This is already problematic from a regulatory and control standpoint, it seems relatively straightforward enough. And if you accepted this description, it really might seem a trivial matter, not worth taking too seriously. Any words before we move on to 1977?
1: Yeah. After describing that section where they said, talk about inflation, potential withdrawal, they immediately, the BIS report immediately dismissed them as overly exaggerated. I forget the phrase they use. They called it exaggerated. And which was kind of weird because they had just gone through this exercise where, again, it was more maybe, possibly, this did, that. It wasn't a definitive statement about things. So they just said, well, it seems like in 1964, these fears of deflationary or inflationary currency from this brand new, radically different way of doing money and banking across the entire world, regardless of boundary, Eh, It's no, it doesn't seem to be any big deal as far as inflation deflation is concerned, which is, of course, ridiculous. But you could understand why they would downplay the significance of it from an official perspective, which is still aligned with the Bretton Woods idea, what was left of it by that point, which is that, you know, national currency, national reserve systems, those types of things, when you have this international bank-centered monetary arrangement that is very hard to deal with. Even in their initial description, where they called it, a, do- a long chains of interbank liabilities, which essentially meant a dollar goes into this euro dollar system somehow. It gets changed hands between one bank to the next to the next, which stretches these chains of liabilities. And then eventually it comes out with a loan to a non-bank entity. So essentially you have a linear progression where banks are, sh- are just trying to scalp spreads, take advantage of arbitrage opportunities. But by and large, a dollar you could trace from one end to the other. Yes, there's problem, there's potential problems along the way, but You know, the the interbank stuff, if you look at it in this linear fashion, maybe it's just the same kind of thing that we see in any domestic system. And it was sort of the height of arrogance to describe it, then leave it there. Leave it there,
0: they did. And by 1977, that was no longer good enough. Leaving it there, ignoring it, had led to the great inflation and so on the 7th of February, 1977, another day I remember very well, because it was the Joint Economic Committee session. It was a staff study was reported that day. I was very excited to read it by the Congress of the United States. Jeff, what was all this about? Why have this Joint Economic Committee, what was the report? Why, why were they, why did they need to look into this matter? And then we'll read some quotes from Dr. Karlick
1: in a second. Even Congress, Congress, <laughs> even Congress. Congress. <sighs> That's fine. Hey, hey, guys! There's this great inflation thing going on, and everything that we've tried over the last decade, nothing has worked. I've heard this euro currency, euro dollar thing. It's money. It's radical. It's banks all over the world. Is there a connection? Is possibly are these two things related? Because you know, everything that we've asked from the Fed. Everything that we've asked from the Treasury, we've never gotten a straight answer for why are we stuck in a great inflation nobody seems to be able to either explain or get a handle on. And so Congress said, let's hold some hearings on this euro dollar thing because, I mean, I don't know. It sounds like they could be connected. Radical money changes, evolution, banks doing whatever the hell they want, expanding balance sheets. That kind of sounds inflation-y. We have inflation So let's bring in some people to see if we can make a connection. Unfortunately, the person they brought in to describe the mechanics of the euro currency euro dollar system was a fellow by the name of Karlik, who was their senior economist. Well, I don't know why you say unfortunately, Jeff, because
0: I'm reading a quote here that seems to get the euro currency system dead on. Check this out. Thus... An initial dollar deposit in a European bank can lead to a variety of outcomes. The amount of additional liquidity provided to non-banks may be zero, equivalent to the deposit, or some multiple of the deposit. (laughs) This anywhere from zero
1: to infinity. (laughs) It could be zero to infinity (laughs) is basically what he's saying.
0: (laughs) This uncertainty about who may be the borrower of dollars from a European commercial bank and how these funds will be employed raises the question of the size of the euro currency multiplier now we're going to translate that
1: into english no i think you know we compare that to where we were in 1964 that's what i wanted yeah good in 1964 okay go ahead go ahead so
0: coming back around again the updated 1977 version now says about the euro dollar system dollars somehow got in They change hands many more times than anyone can track in more ways than any official really understands. And if all that wasn't enough, we have no real idea where or how they may come out. This guy gets it, Jeff, finally.
1: But, you know, it's progress, right? Because we started out in 1964 with the BIS saying, well, a dollar goes in, it gets changed hands a few times, and it comes out as a non-bank loan. By 1977, the expert, the guy comes in and says, no, we're not really sure how the dollars get in, and then we know they change hands all over the place, but the multiplier could be anything from zero to infinity, and we don't really know how it comes out because it doesn't always come out as a non-bank loan. So that's a measure of progress, right? They start out in 1964 saying, yeah, we can ignore this as a simple thing, even though it's kind of complicated what banks do. You can trace one, one from beginning to end. And by 1977, they realized, no, this is a real kind of a ball of mess, where banks are doing a whole bunch of stuff that we can't really track in any way. And you think, okay, they're really starting to get it. But again, the guy who's describing this is Dr. John Carlick, who wasn't just a senior economist at the time for the Joint Economic Committee, he was a senior economist at the Federal Reserve. And the Federal Reserve, you have to remember, throughout the 1970s, especially in the late 70s, their explanation for the great inflation was to blame the U.S. Treasury. They said, inflation isn't money, it's fiscal deficits. The the reason we have inflation is because the federal government won't get its house in order, which today we know is total, complete bull. So yes, the guy could describe or at least get the outlines of the euro currency system together. But then in the next breath, he told Congress, I don't think there's any connection here between the inflation because inflation isn't money. Inflation is you guys. Inflation is you not passing a balanced budget." Quote, Therefore, even if one were to accept the thesis that
0: excessive monetary expansion were an important cause of inflation, eurocurrency
1: <laughs> this markets This is a guy from the Fed.
0: <laughs> eurocurrency <laughs> markets hardly appear to be a major source of that expansion, Mr. Dr. Karlick, the first senior economist
1: Federal Reserve. Amazing. Right. It's just absolutely amazing. Even Congress could sense that there was more to the story. And I mean, Congress is I mean, there's a reason why people hold Congress in such low esteem because it's deserved and it's not that's not a recent phenomenon. You have the great inflation, you have politicians in Congress saying, hey, uncontrolled monetary expansion outside the United States, inflation, not just inside the United States, but also all places around the world. Maybe those two things are together. They go to the, quote unquote, monetary experts and the monetary experts say, inflation and money, those two things aren't related. No, you got nothing to see here. Absolutely astounding. It's astounding because he
0: explains that we cannot track what is going on here. It could be. An infinite amount of money that's being created. We have no idea, but that's probably not what's causing the inflation. Don't worry.
1: And that's the thing. You know, he uses that shadow. Again, this is the theme the Fed would revisit time and time again over the decades since. Because we can't track this thing, we're going to use our ignorance as an excuse to say it doesn't matter. And that, I think, is the whole story in a nutshell. Readers of your article are going to be very angry
0: with you, Jeff, because you throw in two tempting appetizers, little morsels of a much bigger story, two separate stories. You raise them here and then just move on to the story that we just discussed, which is very interesting. But you title even your piece. You, you, it's the Volker myth, the Volcker myth, and then the petrodollar. So you didn't go into much detail here, but Jeff, just uh, let's make more people angry at you uh, very quickly. Don't give it away. Volcker myth, what is it? Then what is the petrodollar? Why is it not important? Again, as little information as you can to make people as angry with you as possible. The
1: Volcker myth is that what I come just to, yeah, stated. Yeah. The Volcker myth is that they were starting to get it, but then they used this ignorance to say, we don't need to investigate it. And then after Volcker, it seemed like that was true. It seemed like, oh, all the Fed needs to do is provoke recessions by raising rates. And then we don't need to care about this stuff ever again. And the Fed's, that's basically been the Fed's official position ever since. They used the myth of Volcker to cover up this massive monetary ignorance that even then they couldn't have, they were having trouble explaining. So the Volcker myth was sort of an impediment, basically ended monetary scholarship that at least was being conducted up until around the 1980. And then the petrodollar The great man theory of monetary history, I suppose. Always a big debate.
0: Okay. The petrodollar, you give it short shrift, you you dismiss it. (sighs) Okay.
1: (laughs) I don't understand the fixation on the petrodollar. I really don't because, I mean, yes, if you are Saudi Arabia, oil is a big part of your economy, big part of your financial existence. But for the euro dollar system as a whole, oil isn't that important. It really isn't. And so what happened in 1973, when the OPEC oil embargo began, the price of oil skyrocketed. That simply meant there was a lot of dollars in the hands of oil producers, which they quite naturally left on deposit in the euro dollar system. They didn't create a petrodollar. They just accessed the euro dollar capabilities that had existed by for almost two decades by that point. The petrodollar didn't just start in 1973. The petro state's wealth and uh, their ability to gain prices did. And so the euro dollar market simply kept those dollar balances on deposits in the euro currency system and then redistributed them as it always did, including saying, hey, euro dollars aren't really a store of value, Mr. Saudi Arabia. If you want a store of value, I've got these really safe and liquid instruments over here called U.S. treasuries that you can buy. So there was nothing unique or special about what happened in 1973. That was just Saudi Arabia and other petro states accessing the U.S. dollar denominated capabilities that existed all over the world long before that. The petrodollar was not something new. It was just the updated access to what exists, to what was already taking place. The fascination with the petrodollar, I
0: think, has to do with the whole reason we do this show is because most people don't know about the euro dollar system. There's been a conspiracy of silence, Jeff, as far as the mainstream knows. There was Bretton Woods, 1944, and then 1973, the gold window closed, and then there was oil and military deals taking place, the petrodollar. So you can see we went from A to B, but our whole show is about no. B started taking place in, 19, in the 1950s. That 29 year period, most people assume, well, we just went from gold to oil. But if we tell people, no, there was a B. There was a something in between those yeah. two. Then they would much more readily understand that maybe the petrodollar is not really a thing. There was something before that, but it's the conspiracy of silence, as Paul Einzig said, that uh, that prevents that information from getting out into the wider public. That's it. In
1: one sense, it's good though, because at least you know you can you could, as you said, you can understand where this is coming from. Because when you're looking at the quote unquote petrodollar, you're seeing that there is an offshore, has something to do with U.S. dollars that's going on outside the United States. And so it makes sense if that's your narrow vision and that's all you can see. Yeah, the petrodollar is this big thing. But if you go back in time again, widen your gaze, you can see long before then the petrodollar was just oil states coming into a windfall. And using and accessing the Euro dollar system that had already existed for a long time before then, including its many, many store of value functions, not just US Treasuries. And this was included in that 1977 testimony by Mr. Karlick or Dr. Karlick, where he said that yes, the Euro dollar system was great in providing access or uses for petroleum states windfall in. Connecting those countries who are affected, negatively affected by oil prices, who are essentially starved of dollars, it redistributed monetary resources toward them using all sorts of innovative financial instruments, not just U.S. treasuries or the like. So the euro dollar is the thing here, not the petrodollar. Dr.
0: John Karlick, quote, the euro currency market provided a vital service in accepting large deposits from oil producing countries and lending the funds to hard-pressed oil importing nations, developing countries contending with an increased energy and food costs, and subsequently with a drop in earnings for their own commodity exports, have been especially aided by credits obtained in the euro-dollar market. But it doesn't matter. It's not important.
1: (laughs) No, but our, our whole point and our theme here is that at one time before Volcker, there was actual monetary awareness, there was scholarship, there was investigation, there was, hey, this Euro dollar is a thing and it's doing all of these other things. And we under, you know, at least some people understood what was going on, even if they didn't get the overall implications. And then after Volcker, it just, the curtain descended, sort of like an iron curtain of monetary ignorance descended across the world. And now people are just trying to un- trying to make sense of everything, including oil, including petroleum, and they're not seeing the wider, the bigger picture. Thank you very much, Jeff.